You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 49 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Ryan Libertadja. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz. We're back in person, um, even though I feel like we're saying this very often now, but we're, we're in person. Um, this is not on YouTube, unfortunately, um, but we're in our our first setup, like the first, first, first ever Habs Culture episode setup where um, I haven't listened to that episode in a while, but I'm sure if you go back and listen to that episode, it sounds a lot different. Remember our intros were different? Everything was different. Like it was, I would always say something like a, like a little like sane or something. Yeah, those were, those were great. <laughs> Maybe I'll bring them back. Yeah, you got to reintroduce those. I'm trying to think of one like off the top of my head what it was. Well, usually what you would do them based on... The episode, right? Or the games. Or the games? That like Like just occurred. The boys are back. Exactly. Something something like that, that, yeah. It's definitely something like that. Um, (laughs) Anyways, um, if I were to um, create one, I would definitely talk about Mr. Kirby Doc, the Canadians last night. It was last night, right? Yeah. Uh, 2 p.m., yeah. Afternoon game, yeah. Exactly. To the Chicago Blackhawks in Chicago, three-two shootout win, very entertaining shootout. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, to end the game, the game-winning goal, Kirby Doc himself, the former third overall pick for the Chicago Blackhawks, ends it in stunning fashion. And as he's been booed when he touches the puck, he finishes off with his hand by his ear in front of the whole crowd. Those pictures were amazing. Did you see Electric. the one? Did you see the picture from like the fans' point of view, like up high? No, I did not. Or maybe I did. So, like, he's looking into the crowd. You don't sure. see his number. Like, you see the logo, the right. Canes logo. And it's just one guy with the middle finger, like, right in his face. That's hilarious. And it's just, like, the coldest picture. Anyways. It's incredible. He had an amazing game. And um, we'll talk a bit about him. I'll switch over to you. But also, yeah. Sean Monahan. He's continuing to light it up. And again. Great. Perfect timing. Do right? it. Continue. Doing it. I'm not complaining. <laughs> no one is. This is amazing. It's the perfect time to do so. And uh, we talked about this on last episode, so last week, um, about the importance of playing well to actually be able to acquire something at the deadline for mm-hmm. a guy like Sean Monahan. And and at this point in time, Sean Monahan's stock probably is definitely floating or flirting with the idea of a first round pick. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And they got a first-round pick just to acquire him. There you go. For tw- so like, conditional 2025, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Right? I, think Depending it was, on that, I forget what year it was, that, but yeah. The condition was like three pages long. That's it. Yeah. So, But regardless, right? I, again, that's a, a masterclass by Kent Hughes. Masterclass. Master. And it's nice to see him playing well in a, in a, look, in a, in a great role. He's, he's averaging about 17 minutes a game. He's playing important minutes, right? He's playing the center position on the power play, winning key face-offs. He's playing... Um, in key opportunities at the end of the game, he's putting he's he's getting on the scoreboard right. Seventeen points in twenty one games. I mean, there's nothing not to like about his play right now. I think he is fourteen. I think right. Oh, sorry, I was reading yeah, Kirby Doc numbers. Yeah, Excuse Kirby. me. Yeah, so sorry, fourteen and twenty one. Kirby Doc has seventeen and twenty one. Yeah. We'll, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. But fourteen and twenty one, who you not even essentially you acquired him for free. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, again, zero risk move seeming to work out. Could definitely be shipped to a team like a Colorado, Colorado yeah. or even Flames. A Flames. Go back to the Flames. Give us another first if you want. There you go. If they have any. Yeah. Who knows at this point? He was on the whole power play, right? For the overtime? 
Like yeah, he was with so the other three with the big would, three. Yeah, exactly. So with the three, uh, the three on the first line and and Monahan. Yeah. Do they have a nickname yet? That trio. I haven't seen one. Should we? Should we? I don't want to. Yeah, I don't even want to try. Yeah. yeah, I don't even want to try. Um, because I can't really think of one. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll, well now we'll switch to to Kirby who. Like you know when when we when the Canadians acquired Josh Anderson, it was you know it's it's tough to find uh, a big player who moves like that. Mm-hmm. They literally just got one at 21 years old. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. And they got him for what? A first? Well, a mid-first. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they had to trade Romanov to get that first. But, again, like I've said before, they traded a, a player that that was in a position of wealth for a player that was in a position in need. In Kirby Doc. And, man, he looks good. Like, he looks really good. Like, And, obviously, people are going to say, well, he's alongside Suzuki and Caulfield. It, but just if you forget his stat and you just watch him on the ice, yeah, he's a completely different player. Yeah, he looks like his like pre-draft, the way he was playing in minor hockey, right? And 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 the thing is, is that when you watch when you watch him, right, from an eye test perspective, he's really checking a lot of boxes. Um, aside from the score sheet, right? Again, we talked about fourteen point. Uh, now I'm mixing up Monahan and Kirby again. I'm seventeen points <laughs> yeah. in twenty-one games. What he's doing is is incredible. You're looking at. The way he's able to control the puck on the wall, the way he's able to shelter, um, he's able to shelter off of you know bigger bodies, bigger defensemen in the corners. The way that he's able to get to open space, it's really nice to see. And again, like I think that his hockey sense has really been able to flourish on this line, and I think that it's only up from here. Now we talked about the need for a two C down the road, but that's but again, like that's a need that they can address later on. I don't think that it's it's pressing right, because and he could be that guy. Exa- he absolutely could. Mm-hmm. It's just tough to. You know, take him off that first line at one point, yeah, and say now you're going to have to play this two C role. But again, he's 21 years old. We talked about. I, I think we talked about this from the second he was traded to Montreal. We did not like to see Romanov go, but we were very excited about this project. And so far, so good in terms of this project. Hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. I don't remember the last time. Like when I watched the Oilers and like they just keep throwing McDavid on the ice and Drysaddle. It's just like come on, like. It's not fair. You keep throwing on your big guys, your big guns. This is the first time I think ever that I've watched a Canadian's team have the the, the possibility to throw on the same guys on the ice mm-hmm. consistently to close out a game. Like it was ridiculous. They played the whole time. Yeah. Suzuki and Caulfield. Then you go and shoot out and it's the same three guys and they win the game for you. Like it's actually, they scored all three goals, right? And shoot out. Yeah. Yeah. All three. All three. Suzuki's just disgusting. Caulfield automatic. Yeah. And uh, and yet Kirby was like meant to be like he had to take that shot. He had to. I I was I was thinking that they might roll out Dvorak, but so I was watching with my buddy, and he mm-hmm. goes like he had a good gonna, game. Yeah, he he's been playing incredibly well. Mm-hmm. We'll actually get to that. But yeah. he, what's funny about Dvorak is that I used to watch him in Arizona a little bit, and mm-hmm. he would always pull off this the same similar move. Okay. He would always last second just go to the back end and always shelf it it always oh, yeah, yeah. worked okay and i was cu- so my buddy was like okay third shooter dvorak i'm like i don't think so kirby he's like oh yeah kirby, you're right yeah. it's back in chicago yeah so it was it was nice to see that he was able to finish that game and like what it, it didn't get any better than that i thought Duran was gonna come off ir to take the shot <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be surprised that's all he does um oh, God. but yeah he uh dvorak had a good game armia had a good game i think gallagher had a good game as well yeah gallagher too Hustling. Um, did you see the Slavkovsky hit? I, I did didn't see it. I did. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it in real time. It was 
because he clearly went through concussion protocol. He left for like 15 minutes. Right, and then he came back. Yeah. It didn't look great. It didn't look great. I don't know if it was necessarily... I don't think I don't know I can't I don't know if I can classify it as dirty, um, but it was it didn't look pretty like it it wasn't something okay. it was like it I don't know if it was his elbow Dickinson's elbow or his hip I couldn't really tell from the angle and I never really got like a clear view of it mm-hmm. um, but it, it definitely wasn't good um, but it was it was so funny how they th- how they threw Jack Eye on the ice <laughs> right after well did you did you see what I happened didn't see with any that? Of that no so what happened was that they threw Jack Eye onto the ice okay so the so the the faceoff was in the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. They threw Jack Eye onto the ice. Dickinson was still on the ice. Okay. The ref had his hand up. Yeah. The ref put his hand down. Luke Richardson or whoever the I know he's their head coach, but whoever their one of their Defensive assistant coaches co- yeah, is, yeah. right? He's he's yelling to, to Richard to uh to, to, to Dickinson, Dickinson, like, get off the ice, get off the ice. So Dickinson <laughs> jumps off the ice and he then can. the ref puts him back yeah. on. It was hilarious. Like yeah, and, and, and again, like you were you were talking about the fact that Montreal has has these two or three players that they're able to throw in in, in specific situations and just like the McDavid dry settle treatment, yeah, yeah. right? But like we're also noticing that Montreal actually has a guy that no one wants to deal with when they're out on the ice mm-hmm. in terms of whether it's fighting or taking a big hit in those late crunch crunch time minutes that like they're that that scare factor. Yeah. So that's nice to see also. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um yeah we'll go to Kristen Dvorak since uh you want to talk about him? He's just been playing solid. I like, honestly, I like Dvorak. Obviously, the price to acquire him was somewhat steep, mm-hmm. but you can't really blame him. He was in a vulnerable position. And we'll get to that whole summer. We can't forget yeah, that. Yeah, you're going to have to bring that up. We'll bring that up um, because new information dropped about what happened that summer. Um, but yeah, obviously, the price is steep. But if you put aside what you have to pay to acquire him, He's a he's a great hockey player. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely, he just, he's a solid third C. I could only imagine the things he'd do in Colorado. Like, I think he'd be incredible. Yeah, I think he'd be. I think he'd honestly be incredible in many different situations. I think that right now, one of the things that's betting benefiting him, excuse me, tremendously, is the fact that he's actually starting to build up some chemistry with with Gallagher and uh, Evgeny Dadonov, for that matter. Evgeny Dadonov has actually looked a lot better in these past few games. He's getting a lot more scoring chances. He looks a little bit quicker. He looks a little bit more comfortable. Um, and I think that's heavily benefiting Dvorak. And right now, the way that he's playing, he's playing as a as a a, a Take this with a grain of salt and don't come at me, anyone that's listening to this, but he's playing a a, a very similar style to Philip Dano right at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's very defensively responsible, but he's also up on the play a lot. So it's nice to see. I think that he's filling that two C role for as of right now, but so is Monaghan, right? Playing on that third line alongside yeah. Armia and Anderson and putting up points. So it's really nice to have that depth and to be able to, you know, move it around if if need be. So we were talking about this yesterday because we sent each other the, the Kirby Doc post. Yeah. Of that he posted on Instagram of him taunting the, the Hawks fans. I don't know if you checked the comments of the Kirby post, not the Canadians post, but the Kirby post. And we were texting each other saying, like, I can't believe the Hawks actually gave up on a twenty one year old that quickly. Um Adam Bokvist, yeah, another player given up on extremely quickly. He was traded for uh Seth Jones, he was part of that deal. He commented business and Curry Doc replied strictly business. If I'm a, if I'm a Hawks fan, I'm crying because clearly they were traded strictly for business reasons when they're going to be good hockey players in this league. I haven't been following um, Bogfist pretty closely, but he looked good when he was there in Chicago at a very young age. Um, anyways, I opened Twitter because 
I wanted to bring up the point I just brought up a few a few minutes ago, but um, I just saw a tweet now, actually, and I'll bring this up. It's completely random out of nowhere. But uh, for those of you who don't know, the senators are up for sale, mm-hmm. right? Um, Olivia and Anna Melnick put them up for sale. Um, apparently, a guy who has 20% stake in the Habs, um, Hamilton billionaire Michael Andlower, is selling that stake in the Habs to buy the Sens. Is this confirmed? Well, here's, you know, Andrew Zardnowski? Okay. I forget which, who he works for. Oh, he's just a writer. Oh, Eyes on the Prize. Habs Eyes on yep. the Prize. Yeah, that guy. Um, he says, hearing that a Hamilton billionaire, Michael Anlauer, is preparing to sell his 20% stake in the Habs. Apparently, he's the front runner to buy the Sens. Again, he obviously probably won't be full owner. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, he's a billionaire, so who knows? Um, so for those wishing that, his name Ryan Reynolds for him to be the owner. He might he might have a small stake in the or sense. the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I saw it too. The weekend. Yeah. Um, could you imagine your ownership is Ryan Reynolds in the weekend? <laughs> Timmy Stew on the ice. Yeah, it's, it's so like, funny. What? Just so random. It's like halftime shows. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um, so yeah, I'll bring this half-time, up. Halftime, not halftime, like intermission. Intermission <laughs> yeah, shows. Sorry. Yeah. How do they do that? How do they do what? Like intermission shows. Are they like the first intermission, or the second intermission? Who? Like you know they do like the. Like the special intermission, it's like an all-star break or whatever. Okay. Oh, but all-star, it's like three-on-three little games, so there's yeah. no actual intermission. Right. Um. Anyways, that was a really... Yeah, that was ra- that was random on both our parts. BPM so. Sports. I've never heard of them in my life. Oh, they're nine... They're the... You know that channel on the radio, 91.9? Sure. So the French uh, sports channel? Yeah. So they tweeted yesterday some some news... Well, tweeted because it was set on their radio channel about Yesperi Kotkaniemi. So the the summer of Kotkaniemi, the offer sheet summer. Um, so in other words, I'm not going to play the whole clip because it's a full audio clip. The Canadians were prepared to match the offer. Remember we had this whole debate on the podcast? Absolutely. So the Canadians were prepared to match the offer. They told Kotkaniemi's agent, we're matching the offer under one condition. And that condition is you sign long-term in Montreal. And Kotkaniemi's agent just never replied to the call. They accepted the offer sheet from Carolina, and that was that. In hindsight, now that we look back, kind of a bullet dodged. Right. Right. Like, Kotkaniemi isn't living up to his expectations. Um, I would have obviously loved to see him under Marty St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly, it's just he's not... Maybe it was a development. Maybe just the actual player he is. He's not the the guy we thought... The number one role, right? right? He's just he's just not that guy. Um, so it's just interesting now the fact that they were ready to match it, and he wanted nothing to do with the Canadians. That's what the exact quote is. He wanted nothing to do um, with the Canadians. Obviously, they, they they benched him in the playoffs. They they treated him a bit like garbage. But at the same time, um. If we look back, like I said before, it's kind of weird to think if he was still on this team, there's no Kirby Doc, right? No, probably not. There's no Kirby Doc. Realistically, there's no Kirby Doc. You look comfortable there. I'm, I'm actually gonna try yeah, that. Try Hold it on. out. Take this because I was like bending over into the mic to yeah. try and like. Oh yeah. Okay. It's pretty. It's a lot comfortable. It's nice. Yeah. No one can see this. We're on <laughs> camera. There you go. Um, we're just sitting back. By the way, yeah. we're just on the mics. Um. Okay. So yeah. Um. There wouldn't be a Kirby Doc. 
the Canadians probably would have signed him. Where do you sign now, Kakanyami? He's at what four? No, I think it's even more. Is it more? I think I'm gonna pull that up right right now for you. But you can keep uh, rambling. Yeah. Go um, ahead. Yeah. So he'd have the extension in place. It, it's yeah. It, it's a it's a situation now. Obviously, at, at the time, I wasn't very fond of the decision. But now we know that that actually wasn't a decision. It was the players' decision to leave. It was basically a free out for Kakanyami. He wanted out, and he took it, and he, he in the easiest way because he didn't have to request a trade. He was offered six million dollars to leave a team he wanted to leave, so it's kind of easy for him to make that decision. So, just to answer your question, he's getting paid a little south of five million, so four point eight two, four, eight. Uh, it was an eight-year contract. Jeez, okay, which was signed in, uh, in. 20, March of 2022. So that would have been the contract, I'm guessing, for in Montreal, 100%. It would have been Probably simil- something similar to yeah. that. So he signed through 2029, 2030. Yeah, so there'd be that's no... That's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy to even say that, 2029, 2030. It's crazy the fact that the Hurricanes did this just to tweet about it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still... I'm a, And you know what? I, I wish... You know, look, Montreal Canadiens fans have... Uh, some some sort of hatred towards the Leafs, right? And that's, that just goes with the rivalry that's been building, brewing for years. I, I genuinely dislike the Carolina Hurricanes. Like, I think that that whole scenario was so... It's fun, it's weird that I'm talking about an NHL franchise and calling it immature. Well, like, Leafs fans and Habs fans hate each other, but I think we sort of respect the organization themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I don't respect the Carolina Hurricanes organization. Yeah. Like, I don't are. respect the Vegas Golden Knights organization. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that that was a very bold... Very bold move. And honestly, I don't even like it's the thing is, is that their team is very well constructed and they're doing well as a result. Mm -hmm. And it kind of sucks because like you'd love to see them do poorly and be stuck with this kind of contract. They're not doing very good. Well, they're not doing poorly. Yeah, they're not doing poorly. They're still they're still in the metro. They're still Mm -hmm. in the top three as of right now. So they're you know, they're still they're still somewhat successful. Um but yeah, you know what? And, and just to go back on Kotkaniemi, like talk about him as a player, right? We we respected him. He was one. He was a fan favorite. You were very fond of him, yeah. and so was I. What I don't get in this instance is that he wanted out of Montreal, and we we understand that. We understand that there there was a reason for that. But I think that we can also both agree that there was also ample reason to stay. If he were to stay, he was locked in as that two C for as the, the following season to become the two C, right? Yeah. Exactly yeah. under. Under Ducharme for the time being until he was gone, yeah, right? Yeah. Halfway through the season. Yeah. Or whenever it was. So all of that to say is that it's a little bit interesting to me because I think that he was surrounded by a lot of guys that he liked. I think he was very close with, well, Mete was gone at that point, but I think that he had a very close relationship with a lot of the younger guys on the team. And the Finns. Right. So Nick Suzuki, uh, Nick Suzuki, Caulfield, Lekkinen, Armia, Armia. Um, and, I, and I'm sure and I'm sure he created a lot of great relationships with mm. a lot of guys on that team. So it was interesting for me that he sought out this opportunity to take his talents to Carolina and kind of play a very, very sheltered role. Now, right now, with the loss of, Vin, of Vinny Trocek this, this past offseason, yeah. he's taken on that 2C role. And I think, like, Brindamore is always moving these lines up and down, up and down, moving Svechnikov, moving Natchez, moving Aho. You have no sin on the top line. It's random. Yeah. But he's been sticking there as the two C. But he hasn't really been. He hasn't. His underlying numbers haven't been bad. But he hasn't been producing on the score sheet. So it begs the question: Is this really a better fit for him? Is it a better fit than it would have been for him in Montreal? 
Probably not. Mm-hmm. But then as from a Montreal fan perspective, it opened a lot of doors for Montreal to to make a lot of moves. But Great especially moves. for his development, right? Because could you imagine he's still what, twenty one? He's Kirby's age. Right, I think. Mm-hmm. Even though Kirby was drafted uh the year before. Is Perry Kotkiemi is twenty two and oh, he's Kirby's twenty one. Oh, sorry, Kirby was drafted a year after. Um Kirby was two thousand eighteen. Correct. Kirby yeah. was twenty nineteen. He was in the Jack Hughes. Okay, so yeah, um, so he's still twenty two years old. So imagine a guy who's trying to develop, being thrown around the lineup up and down. And look, if you actually look at Kotkaniemi's career, could it just be that the teams kind of disrupt disrupted his development? First was the Canadians by letting him play right away, then scratching him when he was actually playing well. Mm-hmm. Like he played well during that playoff. He tied Gretzky's record. For the most goals under whatever he was, 21 years old, um, in a playoff run. And so then he gets scratched. Motivation goes down in the gutter. He wants out. He goes to Carolina, gets bounced around the lineup. He's still 22. So look, he might flourish because I still think he's, he clearly has talent. They saw something in him, the Canadians. Um, but this whole, that whole little era, that gap, I was thinking of this yesterday. Like there's the, because I saw a clip of the, uh, remember the Placana goal? Mm-hmm. It's not on TikTok yeah. when, against the Rangers. Yeah, absolutely. So there was that whole era with Pacioretty, blah, blah, blah. Radulov. Radulov. I don't know why I extended that. Yeah, Radulov, <laughs> Radulov Price. <laughs> um, then there was the, again, the era where Price, Weber, and then they tried their run, didn't work. And the kids started coming in, but there was that first batch of kids. Mm-hmm. There was the Metes, and Suzuki, and Kotkaniemi. There were still Sherbach, Palin. There was yep. all these like guys. And now we're in a completely different era, but it wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't. That's what's crazy about all this. Like, there was this little three-year span between the Canadians and the playoffs with Placanic and all that to now, where there was these players that they drafted very high that were just there, and now they're gone. Yeah. And it, and if you look back to the eras that you're referring to, you're looking at 2016, maybe, at the latest, right? Like, I'm talking about... The, the, the Placanis, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Radulov, yeah, yeah. the Patrick. 2016, exactly. Right? Yeah. And then 2017, 2018 roll around. Kod Kanyemi's drafted yeah. 2018. Nikita Sherbak was drafted before then. Yeah, yeah. Paling was drafted before then. So it's like weird how like all these guys are coming up. And you know, I, I let's 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 go back to 2018. Yeah. And again, we weren't we weren't doing this show, but I can guarantee you that we were still fans and we were talking about, oh, we're excited about this, about this future. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of, oh, have a lot of prospects. Yeah, we're excited about the Nikita Sherbaks and the Palings, the Paling four goal game, the the Kod Kanyemi the third overall hype, pick. Right? Yeah. So and then and then all of a sudden now we're in we're in 2022, approaching 2023, and it is literally gone there's not one survivor from there's that little era not a single one like it, it's insane yeah and it's again i think that we're in a much better place right now i think we can both agree mm-hmm. oh 100 but it's crazy what this organization has been through in such little time but it feels yeah. like ages there was just that little small period of time where it's like this was the rebuild but it's i, I no, it's actually not because these kids won't be staying and they're not good enough yeah like it's i don't incredible. know it's just it's weird to think about um but yeah, that's what I wanted to say on the little that topic of the summer of whatever year that was. Mm-hmm. So confused with my years now. <laughs> yeah, so so do I. Like sometimes I just twenty twenty doesn't feel that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on, let me pull up. We'll switch topics here. I want to I want to talk about last episode where we were you know guessing who would finish below or up. Yeah, or do we want to we want to do an update? Um, well, we won't do the the whole right, process yeah, yeah, again. Not the whole thing. Um, 
But the Canadians sit 16th in the National Hockey League. So they've improved since then. At the time, the at the time of the video, or sorry, at the time of the last episode, they were sitting pretty in 18th. 15th position is the Colorado Avalanche. What is going on? I think honestly, the more and more that I watch this team play, the more and more I think they're just gonna either sneak in or be at the last, last possible spot to not make the playoffs. And it's gonna. I'm going to be in so much pain. So much. And You're again, talking about Montreal. Yeah, I'm talking about Montreal. Okay. Yeah. And Sorry, I thought you were talking about Colorado. No, Colorado, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. But And people are listening, Mark, why Why are you saying this? We obviously want to watch them win. I love watching them win. I love having this team being competitive. But to be competitive in a sustained fashion, you have to lose at some point. Yes. Well, you can't just be mediocre every year. If you're mediocre year in and year out, you're going to end up like the New York Islanders where you make the conference finals, but you lose to a powerhouse for three years in a row. And then you just you either miss out. the playoffs or back in and you're just in and out, in and right. out. And it's like, come on. like. Well, I have a question for you. At what point does Montreal or does the management realize, look, Montreal is winning and there are a few key factors. And I, and I want to bring something up. Mm-hmm. We talked at length about... Are the are some of these players? When I talk about some of these players, the Hoffmans, the the Monahans, the the people that are we'll, we'll we'll say overperforming to a certain extent, right? Like yeah. based on what you expected to get out of them to begin the season. At what point do you say we got to get rid of these guys ASAP? Because I genuinely think at this point they are heavily affecting in a positive way the way the Montreal Canadiens are playing as a team. If you start dishing out the Hoffmans, the Monahans, let's just the Armias, the Dvoraks. Okay, we're not getting rid of all these players, but I'm saying mm-hmm. a few at a, a you know a couple of these guys. Yeah, this Montreal Canadiens lineup becomes significantly worse. But even at that, they just keep playing Suzuki for 25 minutes a night, and he just keeps being clutch. Right, but you can you know look I mean? to a team like Arizona, for example, that has the Clayton Kellers, the Nick Schmuck. I'm not comparing them. I'm comparing yeah. top of their the position, lineup yeah. to top of our lineup. They they have a lot of holes to fill from line two to four. A lot of holes to fill from defensive pairing two to three. Mm-hmm. So they have their top guys that are per- performing. Clayton Keller is a point per game player, but right? they can't but carry the load. But they can't carry the, right because it's ho- hockey's a, uh, hockey's not like basketball. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is that if you start to create holes in your middle six and bottom six, which sounds so weird and stupid to say, but the second you start to create those holes, all of a sudden your team, your Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield can put up two points per game or. I'm not saying sustain that, but you know can have yeah. a two a two point game, but still lose four two, right? And that's ultimately what you want to see. Now again, you just mentioned it. There's nothing more that I love than I love than seeing Montreal Canadiens win. Mm-hmm. But right now their picks are looking like I think I saw on Twitter it's about 13th and 16th in that in because because Florida's been Florida's in 17th. Garbage. Yeah, we're we're literally one spot ahead of them in the standings. So. At what point do we say Hoffman's playing well? He's injured right now with a lower body injury, mm-hmm. but he's he, before the injury he's playing well and he'll be back shortly. Monahan's almost producing at a point, well, not point per game, but he's almost a point per game. At what point do you say like sell, 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 sell? Like I was reading somewhere that people are saying like this top five, maybe even I think it was up to eight, could have fought for the first overall position in the Slavkovsky draft. Like, do you realize? And and the top three, I think, are automatic first overall picks in that draft. That's and what Mijkov's I'm saying. And falling out of the top three. So then we're looking at top four. 
Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous how good this draft is. And obviously, it's unlucky that the Canadians had that horrible year during... I'm not going to say a weak draft, but a draft that wasn't there extremely was no, elite. There was nothing that was... There was no consensus, No right? consensus. It's unfortunate that even the Kotkaniemi one, even the Galchenyuk one, it sucks that those are the years they're landing on top three picks. Um... But at the same time, that's part of the lottery luck. Is you have to not only win the lottery, but you have to lose in the right year. But this year, you just your team, like the Canadians on paper, is like an okay team. But on the ice, there, there's there's obviously stuff missing. And if you start removing some mediocre pieces, then you're looking at a, a team that's going to struggle. Well, that's it. And in my eyes, if you're receiving assets for these these pieces and you don't have to like I'm not saying who are not sorry to cut you off but who are not even part of the long term plan yeah right? yeah I'm not saying can't use make sure you get Hoffman, get rid of Hoffman so give away a second round pick I'm not saying give away assets to get rid of them no but if you're offered assets for this and it's kind of a win-win because you're receiving assets for the future and you know it, it's it's kind of making your team like it's it's hard to say I don't want to I'm not saying let's tank let's tank like it's tough because you want to see I've been saying this for for a while now, especially when new management came in. I want the Canadians to have a winning culture, like Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. where it starts in Syracuse and it goes all the way to the top, from the trainers to the upper management. That like this is a winning mentality. If you get put in the lineup in Game Three of the playoffs, you're showing up. You're you're showing up and you're playing the exact same way as all the other guys. And like Mike Sullivan's Penguins, if all our three, if our big three is injured, well, you're still going to go in there and you're going to play the exact same way, and they do. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a winning. Menta- if you play for the Pittsburgh Penguins, you're a winner. Mm-hmm. If you play the Tampa Bay Lightning, you're a winner. So I want the Canadians to, when you play for the Montreal Canadiens, you're a winner, and there's there's none of that mentality of oh, I'm going to go out there and drag my feet, or you know, you know what I mean. I I get it. So it's tough to say that this is like I want them to like kind of struggle, but at the same time, it's not worth in three years' time. And I know some people are saying it's so fun watching this team win. And it's so fun seeing all these guys. Yes, it's fun. It's fun now. Been three years when you look at Connor Bedard on the Vancouver Canucks, scoring fifty goals and bringing them to the playoffs. You're gonna think like, was it really worth beating Chicago? Well, was it, it really worth fighting for that extra point against the Minnesota Wild, for example? Or or coming back in against Philly, right? Yeah. Incredible to watch. It's so Saturday night at the Bell Center. It's, it's it doesn't amazing. get better. It really does not get better. And those moments I like, you know, here and there, you know, you get those, especially if you're at the game for like, if that's your first ever Habs game, amazing, amazing experience. But it's just, it, it's tough as a fan who knows how important like a, a future of winning is, it, it starts by losing. Because you want succe- sustained success, sustained right? Sustained success. You don't just want up and down, up and down. And and obviously, I don't think the Canadians are in the same position as the Islanders because I think the Canadians already have elite players more than the more than the Islanders. Yeah, they've ever never, had. aside from Barzell, aside they've never from Barzell, really had they, it. They've never had, they have Sorokin now and Nets, but they've never had, like now we have, the Canadians have Caulfield and Suzuki and now Doc. And yeah. If Slavkovsky becomes that guy, you know, he looks good. But, this team isn't a contender. So when you're not a contender, you have to maximize the fact and try and get as, especially that your core so young, add mm-hmm. more young pieces to it, you know? Right. I've, it's, just, it's tough. I guess I, I guess I have a question for you because let's, let's assume that Montreal does not finish bottom five. Okay. Let's, let's assume that you're looking at the 10th pick in the draft. That's still not bad. So that's what I was going to say is because we keep, we keep preaching the fact that this draft is deep, which it is. Mm-hmm. But if it's deep, then yes, those top three are unmatched. But 
if you're going to still be able to get a second tier player in that draft, which maybe in other drafts would maybe contend for a top three pick, are we really like, is it the end of the world? No, it's not the end of the world. Cause I think top 10, I think once you fall out of the top 10, then I'd be like somewhat disappointed mm-hmm. because that's when like, you know, there's start, there's like gaps between players. Absolutely. But if you look at a stack draft, like 2015, that top 10 was absolutely ridiculous. So if, if this is somewhat of the same draft, and look, I'm not a draft expert here, but if you're in that realm of 2015, you could still land an elite player. Or even it's easier to move up in the draft if that's a possibility. And also, this is the biggest thing, the closer you are to the bottom, the higher those lottery chances are. Look at New Jersey. What did they finish last year? But I'll, I'll pull that up. Like how many spots did they jump? Five? Six? Yeah, a lot. Well, so they, in 2021, 2022, um, they finished, league standings-wise, they finished, uh, you said New Jersey? Yeah. They finished 28th out of 32. Exactly. So they weren't rock bottom, but they still jumped up in that in that lottery. Yeah, they were fifth to last, right? Yeah. And they finished with second overall. Yeah. So like the closer you are to one, the higher you have that chance to, especially now that they changed the lottery rules, there's not going to be that philadelphia who jumped from 14 to 2 to draft nolan patrick it's not gonna happen anymore but um but the closer you are the higher those odds are of maybe just bumping up one spot that can make a difference if you finish sixth and you jump up two spots you could have michkov yep you know what i mean so like it that's how deep it is so it's just it's it's hard to to think that in two years i look back and i'm like why did the canadians finish 15th in the league and it's too bad that they're beating these teams that are teams that usually, that I guess on paper are a lot worse than them, right? Mm-hmm. Like you look at the Flyers, you look at, um, uh, you look at, um, sorry, I'm blanking on the team that we just beat on on uh, Chicago. Yeah. yeah, like these are teams that are are supposed to be at the bottom, and when you lose to them, or sorry, when you beat them, like you're you're just you're just you're like you're what's the word that I'm looking for. You're you're basically you're basically like cementing yourself to finish ahead of them because yeah. when you beat them in those games, you, like you're probably like the Montreal Canadiens are probably one of the teams that will end up closest to them in the standings. But the second you beat them, they're probably going to lose to a lot of other teams, right? Yeah. So automatically, like Montreal is going to probably end up finishing ahead of these teams. And like when you lose to like in that Philly game, right? You go from from not only losing two points. But giving a team like the Flyers two points, which is a bottom of the league team, yeah. from gaining two points and giving them and one. giving them like giving them more cushion yeah. on on finishing lower, so it's again we're we're talking about this and it's it's tough to say because like it's like sometimes we'll, like a year ago right or a year and a half ago we'll we'll be talking about on the podcast about like the Habs have to play this way and they have to you know if they want to be good and if they want to sustain success and it, and now it's like to to have sustained success. They have to be bad. Yeah. So it's no, 100%. like, it's, it's so weird. And I have people texting, like I'm talking within a group of guys and where did the, where did the devils come out of? Why are they so good? And I look at him and I go, do you realize what they did in the past few drafts? They have two players in the top, I think five. Well, especially Nemec, number two overall. I don't know where Luke Hughes went. He went, he went uh, third or fourth. Exactly. So that's two players in the top five that aren't even in the lineup yet. Two defensemen that are projected to be top pair defensemen that aren't even in the lineup yet, and they're doing this good. Why? First overall pick, Jack Hughes. First overall pick, Nico Heischer. They drafted well in the mid-ranks, a lot like uh, Dawson Mercer. Yeah. 
Alexander Holtz isn't even in the lineup yet. Mm-hmm. Now that's the third guy who's not in the lineup yet, who's a high, who's a good pick. And then you couple that with the, the steals, right? The Jesper Bratz of the world. The, you couple that with your, your right? steals. And, like the, and then once you're good, you're able to sign the free agents and bam, you're in it. But in order to get to that spot, they had two first overall picks. I'm not saying, oh my God, the Canadians need two first overall picks. But they were bad. But they, they were, were a bad. forgettable franchise, right? They were bad, but they were also lucky. Exactly. That's why, like, they shouldn't have had that second overall pick last last year. Like, it shouldn't have happened. Right. And Arizona got like Detroit should have been in that top three, one hundred percent. Yeah. Arizona. Arizona was third, but they yeah. should have had that second yeah. overall pick. So, like, you have to be lucky too. Even um, the Luke Hughes draft, I think they jumped up. Yeah. Well, I was just I was just looking at that. So Luke Hughes was drafted fourth overall in twenty twenty one, but in twenty twenty one they finished. Uh, twenty nine. Well, actually, they didn't jump because they were. Third oh, they to last jumped in the, in the Jack Hughes one. They jumped, I think, in when that was, one. What year was that? Jack 2019, right? 2019? That was the same as Kirby. Yeah. So, like, Hughes was drafted first. Kirby was third. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, they so they, they were... Capo was but they, they were they were third to last in the league in 2020. Okay, oh, no, so no. Sorry. That's the 2018, 2019. Yeah. Like, that was the... Year. Yeah. So, they were third to last. Okay. But they, so but still, they, they were still Yeah, bad. but they still jumped up and got first. Yeah, they still jumped up. Ottawa first, yeah. was last... Oh, Ottawa was last. Maybe are we are we mixing something up here? No, I don't think so. Okay, because Ottawa was last, followed by LA. In 2018-19. By LA, who went second? Uh, when was Byfield? No, he was the Lafreniere draft. So am I looking? We're looking at the wrong thing. Yeah, right? we're probably looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. Here. Um, I'll figure it. Ottawa out. Ottawa was probably the uh, when they dropped to five and they drafted Sanderson. So Jack Hughes was drafted in 2019. Yeah. Capo Caco was drafted second overall mm-hmm. by the Rangers, obviously. Kirby. Kirby, Bowen Byram by Colorado, and then LA took Turcotte. And then I th- and then where's where's um So the sense gonna drop that yeah, much. Th- unless t- did they No, they didn't trade it. No. I don't know where the senators are. But uh, it's okay. Anyways, I'm uh, yeah. the point is in look, even the names you listed. Um, the New York Rangers who drafted Capo Caco and then Lafreniere the next year. That's a second overall pick and a first overall pick. Now they're good. Um, and they obviously signed free agents. You look at the um, the LA Kings. Turcotte, Byfield's not even, or not even cemented himself in the league yet. He's still young. Um, they're just teams that were bad and no one was realizing that they were bad, slowly just stacking up on elite picks, like crazy picks here. Like, when you're picking the top three, those are crazy picks. And now they're good, and people kind of forgot. So, no one remembers the... You think Leafs fans are still crying about how bad they were? Those Remember those years where they were absolutely horrible? No, because they got the big prize. They got Austin Matthews, and with the other picks, it created a, a good hockey team. So, when you lose, you forget about it at some point. The success will make you forget about it. Right, but mediocrity is just is to me is is not something you want to get stuck. You then you're stuck in that loop. Right. Once yeah. you get in that loop, you're stuck in it. Yeah, no, that's definitely not something that Colorado. How many top picks did they have? Makar, they were the worst team in National Hockey League history. Yeah, and they didn't even draft first overall. Makar, McKinnon, like those are the guys. Byram, go, yeah, Byram. So like, yeah, I don't Landeskog. know. Rantanen. Rantanen, I think, was like a mid first. But he was the stack draft. Yeah. That's what, yeah, he was a 2015 draft, so. Exactly. I'm still trying to figure out this whole 2019 thing. It's really weird. Because the standings say that Ottawa finished Well, just Google the the lottery. 2019. 
because it's really bothering me because I don't get how this works. Like it makes sense that New Jersey could have been could have jumped up to first, but I don't understand how. Like LA dropped three spots. Like I don't think I don't think I don't think Ottawa dropped all the way to nineteenth to draft Lassie Thompson when they were second to last in the league or last in the league for that matter. That makes no sense. What am I missing here? Okay, you were right. That Colorado pick is not Colorado's pick. That was Ottawa's pick. That so you're, you're saying Bowen Byram? Bowen Byram is Ottawa's pick, right? Okay, so Ottawa okay, dropped so that four. Ma- so so, but but again, like we're, we were talking about movement. What trade was that? Yeah, I'm trying to think the same thing. Was that the the Sam the three way deal? Sam Gerard, Kyle Turris, Duchesne? Ooh, yeah, yeah it, might have been, it was yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, and it's funny because like we're we're literally talking about you know a lot of movement in the bottom at the bottom, right? And you like you look at the 2018-19 standings. Ottawa finished last, right? Colorado, who who owned that, so like technically that's Ottawa's like Ottawa finished up. Technically, Colorado finished last in terms of for for lottery purpose purposes. They ended up with the with the fourth overall pick, right? Yeah. Like, you finished last. They literally finished last with uh, 29 wins and 64 points, and they didn't even get to draft in the top three. But that's what people are saying. It doesn't guarantee you first overall, yes, but those those rules were different. Now the rules like highly favor bad teams yeah. like the top the bottom three they, like you're highly favored um but there's still that chance to move into that top three and i think you just have to get as close as you can and i don't think the canadians are a bottom five team in the league i just don't they're not they're not but just try and get as close as you can to maybe sneak into that top five because the way things have been going recently with the canadians luck it's in a positive direction you win the draft lottery last year who knows it maybe the canadians are the new the new New Jersey Devils, where they just kind of sneak in to those picks and get lucky. Um, but to me, you got to take advantage. Yeah, I agree. You got to. Like, if you're not fighting for the Stanley Cup, take advantage of the guys, the, the the players that are gonna get drafted. What 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 are what are we at? Okay, forty minutes. We're still we're still good here. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to talk about um, just some news? Well, not news around the league. Maybe just talk about some teams, some some players. Yeah, sure. If unless there's anything else you want to talk sure. about. Sure. Um, I was just going to bring up Jason Robertson, man. What a player. What is going on? What a player. Like that, that's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. I think he is, he is, he has 34 points in 21 games. He still doesn't have a contract. (sighs) I don't know what the hell they're waiting for. He's probably so happy he didn't sign one too. I don't think he has a contract, right? Or no, he did sign one before the before the season began. Did he? I thought Ottinger signed it. I'll double check. Yeah, double check that. But yeah, um, like I feel like the, at the that the scoring this year in the NHL, and I mean last year it was very high, but this year seems incredible. This year seems like you have Connor, like you have some of these players that are pushing for almost two points per game. Yeah, and remember when Batman wanted more goals in this league? Yeah, what a bum. Yeah, I don't know. This is. Uh, it, it's it's fun to see though. Oh, 100 percent. It's nice to see. It's, it's nice good. Hundred percent. If there's one team that I wanted to talk about, it was it was the Sens. I'm not. Oh yeah, very interesting. Very very interesting. Um, I, I didn't uh, want to cut you off, but well, uh, no, but I didn't want to hop on the, tr- the the bandwagon train. I remember a lot of people were hopping on that train in the summer. I just want to say Robertson did. He signed his contract. Uh, seven point seven seven five. Seven point seven five. Shut up. How many years? Including this one, four. Okay, okay. If you would have said eighth, I would have lost my mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as of right now, it's more than paying off. Oh, more than paying off, 100%. But, but he's going to ask for the yeah, bank. Yeah, but come 2025, 20, 26, he's going to be... Uh, he's going to ask for... I mean, it's going to be crazy because the cap is expected to go up about $10 million 
give or take 2025, 2026. So 10 million. Wow. Yeah. They're looking, they're looking, uh, pretty, it looks, it's looking promising, but yeah, sense. Oh, sorry. I want to talk about the cap quickly. Yeah, go ahead. You're the cap expert. No. So I was, um, okay. So at the conference I was at a few weeks ago with, with school. Yeah. Maybe um, just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah, for those who don't know, the JMSM sports conference for for JMSB, I was um, talking to um, the director of basketball strategy for the Golden State Warriors, okay, Ansi Saleh, super cool dude. Um, I had the opportunity to bring him here to Montreal to speak at our conference, and I was asking him about because he was talking a lot about we were doing a workshop with some of the students, talking about the salary cap situation for the Golden State Warriors. So just to compare both leagues. Because I find it fascinating how you know how the the NBA has a luxury tax, and I think we've brought it up before on the podcast. Like obviously, especially after the whole Tampa Bay Julian Brisebois situation with yeah. LTIR, that why why is there no luxury tax? And for people who don't know, luxury tax is when you go over the cap, you pay a certain amount for the amount of millions you go over the cap. Mm-hmm. So it favors the rich teams, like like the Canadians, who they're a very valuable franchise. So if they wanted to go over the cap, they could be able to take advantage of their wealth and pay the extra money to build a better roster. Anyways, so he was telling me that the Golden State Warriors currently, so he was giving me this example. If you go to the debt and you buy, uh, there's a drink that's like $1. When you get to the cash, it'll be $7. So for every dollar that the Golden State Warriors spend, it costs them $6 more just to use that dollar. Hmm. That's how much they're taxed because they're in a bracket that's so high. Right. That's how much they're over the cap. Their luxury tax is $500 million. That's how much they pay in luxury tax. Wow. That's like three NBA rosters, salary caps. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. And the fact that the NHL is a hard cap at 82 and a half and we're saying by 2025, it'll be up by 10 million. That's still not even 95 million. You're still in the 93 range. Right. Like it's just ridiculous how much more other leagues have to, to work with. Yeah, and the thing is that a lot of teams, like even if they do go over the luxury tax, you're penalized, right, by having to pay excess. Yeah. But if you're a wealthy enough franchise, it doesn't necessarily affect you. Because you championships. If you look at the MLB, which doesn't have an, a salary cap, but they do have a luxury tax, teams like the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers are willingly are willing to spend $50 million over the, 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 the luxury tax, the implemented luxury tax. And yes, obviously that money is going back into the league and it's going back to those those less those teams that those spend less exactly yeah. <laughs> but but for a team like the Yankees who li- they literally if i'm not mistaken changed the name well again changed the name they didn't change the name but the name like people refer to luxury tax as the Yankee tax oh really yeah because they constantly do it and it doesn't affect them because they are the, the, one so of the, most, the wealthiest franchises in the league. They're able to do it on a yearly basis. They're able to play all these players and they don't mind to spend over the cap because if it gives them a better chance to win, yeah. then so be it. Like it makes the league, obviously it makes the league a bit more... I'll, I'll use I'll use this word and unbalanced. I don't know if I'm... I, yes, there's a competitive imbalance. I'll call it even a little bit corrupt in a sense. Yeah, so I don't love the idea. I'm kind of happy on the NHL, but at the same time, if you look at it, you're, if you're a fan of a team that's very rich, wealthy... Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, obviously it benefits advantage. you. But if you're if you're looking, I was talking about this with my buddy the other day. If you're looking towards the teams that are at the bottom of the league in the MLB, for example, <laughs> like the Cincinnati Reds, the, yeah. Ma- the Miami Marlins, those are very forgettable franchises. They're and never wh- going to get to the top. They'll right? never. And the thing is, and the thing is that it's not because their owners don't have the money to do it. It's just that there's not many players that are willing to come to these organizations because you're not you're not a New York Yankee, yeah. you're not a New York Met, you're not an LA Dodger. Why would why would someone choose to play in Cincinnati? 
versus going to play in LA. Yeah. And if they're throwing money at you, then what? Then and they're throwing more money at you. Then why wouldn't you go? And they're not stopped because because there's nothing to luxury, stop them. The luxury tax is very soft. Yeah, they call it. It's 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 almost the luxury tax is actually referred to as a soft tax. Really. So so by having that soft tax in place, yes, it does benefit certain teams, but I don't think it's actually as beneficial as teams may, as leagues may think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, but it's, it's, it's so interesting to, yeah, to yeah. analyze. I I I find it very fascinating. What were we talking about? We were talking about the Sens. The Sens, yeah. Um, I think the only option is to fire your coach. At the I, point, I, right? I, it's, it's. I'm. I don't. I haven't watched many Sens. Sens. Games I don't watch year. any. Like the only reason I would would be for fantasy purposes. To be yeah, honest. Yeah, me too. But, I'm not a huge Sens guy. No, but I was interested to see how this team would produce as the season progressed. And they have all the building blocks. They have all the pieces. They really, really do. Like I'm convinced of it. You have Shabbat and Sanderson on the back end, coupled or sorry, coupled like. In addition to guys mm-hmm. like Brandstrom, Artem Zub, like those are those are pieces. Those are pieces that again are young and still developing. But it doesn't doesn't take away from the fact that they are, as the season goes on, they're continuing to progress and to develop. On the, on the front end, you have debate. You have a great top six. Look, you lose Norris, and that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But a Debrinket, who's a forty goal scorer, like consistently on a year to year basis. And they got a win just to be able to sign him, right? Yeah. Because well, that's the thing right now, and and that's and that's also a question that I want to ask. Is UFA you. or RFA? See, we we went over this because he signed a bridge deal, so it changes the age that he becomes a UFA. Yeah. But well, we won't get into that. But okay. I I do think that there is some. I think I think there, it has something to do with his arbitration. But is he, is he restricted? I'll check on. Cap yeah, friendly. yeah. Double check that. But anyway, I'll, I'll like I'll continue while you check that out. I was just gonna say like, you go out and sign two big two big or you trade for DeBrincat, you sign Claude Giroux. You have the Brady Kachuk, you have the Drake Batherson, you have the Norris aside from the injury, you have the Timmy Stutzel. Stutz, I, I always say his name, Stutzela. I don't like saying that, but whatever. Timmy Stu. Timmy Stu, we'll keep it at that. Like, there's no way that this team should be bad. And again, like you were saying, like for the Debrinkat situation, if he is a UFA and has the chance to sign somewhere else, what? why would he want to re-sign with, with the Sens? They're playing poorly. He's not being. He's not the go-to guy on this team at this point in time, right? They're they're re- they're resorting to Brady Kachuk often than not. They're even like like d- to start the season. DeBrincat wasn't on the top power play. How are you not going to put a guy like DeBrincat on your top power play? Yeah, like that that blows my mind. He's um he's RFA arbitration eligible. So um it's good for the sense that he's RFA. It's but he could still demand a lot, a lot, a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's right? not good that he's arbitration eligible. Yeah. Um, but like we were talking about before, last year the Canadians, we were saying, oh, this could actually be a playoff team. You know, they just went to the Stanley Cup Finals. They get the first overall pick. They were garbage. Now we're going into this season and we're like, let's get the top three pick, please, please. And they're doing well. And the Sens, complete opposite. Yeah, it's the complete opposite. So that's why it's going to piss me off that in two years I'm going to look back and they're going to have a top three pick because they had an off year on the right year. Right? But that's it. Yeah. Like they're, they're just having an off year on a perfect year to have an off year. But at the same time, I think it's time for them to take a jump. It's not normal that they're they're bad like this. Like this, this should have been the jump. Maybe it was a bit premature to expect a lot out of them, but I still think they should have taken a significant jump given their roster and additions they had. I don't get it. Yeah, and and to be honest, and I don't know if you saw this graphic, but for the sense to make the playoffs, and and by make the playoffs, Sportsnet um, termed it as having to reach the 100 point threshold to make the playoffs, which I think is fair. Mm-hmm. They'd have to kind of for the rest of the season for the remaining 62 games or whatever like let's say they play 20 they would have to go about 600 they would have to go about 600 
And when you see that number as a sense player, as a sense fan, as someone in the sense management, that's not very promising because you're going to lose games regardless of if you're good or not. So couple the fact that they have to go 600 with the fact that they're going to be losing games regardless of how good they are. Like you're going to really have to have, I think the, the couple words of this episode is sus- sustained success. Yeah. And to do that for a six, and, and they're a title. Yeah, it should remind be. me. And they're a young core. They're a young core. By game 50 and 60, we talked about this with the Montreal Canadiens, how some guys will take a step back, right? Because of the wear and tear on their bodies and the fact that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot mentally. Are the Sens young core going to be able to, to do that? Maybe, maybe. But you don't have many, you don't have many, many veteran presences on that yeah. team to be able to hold that group together. Actually, it's where they're losing like they are right now. So it's scaring me a little bit because I have nothing against the Sens and I would like to see some of those players succeed. But it's, it's, and, and one of the best divisions in hockey, if not the best. Yeah, yeah, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. I think. And, I what, think, and what's the next step? Like, let's say you decide to fire DJ Smith. Yeah. But let's say you still miss the playoffs. Let's say you still miss the playoffs. What What do you do now? And it's not the GM. You can't fire the GM because he actually did a good job. He did time. an amazing job. He did a very good job. He went out and acquired DeBrincat for for assets, but I think that those ass, I think those assets are well worth it if DeBrincat's sticking around. Giroux was a great signing, right? Like what What else no, no, can he, he do? Job. He did a they good drafted job. very well. Drake Batherson, Josh Norris, Kachuk was whatever kind of. No, he's a good pick. Gave it to him. Yeah. Gave, that that was basically it fell in their lap. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's an interesting topic of discussion. It I have is. one more topic of discussion if you don't mind. Sure. Shoot. What are your thoughts like we'll, we'll we'll stick to the Canadian theme. What are your thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks? Like what is like I'm going to be honest with you? Yeah. When was it? Um I was still Okay, I wasn't like finishing high school, so sec 5 high school. I don't okay. know when that was. A few years ago. I said that the first Can- the next Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup will be the Vancouver Canucks. I remember saying that to a few of my friends. Just because of the way, first of all, how they drafted and the direction they were heading in. Obviously, they had that great run in the bubble and I looked like a genius because that was only like a year or two later. Um, but obviously, we all know that, and I'll say this for those who maybe forgot, that the last Canadian team to make the Stanley Cup Finals were the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> um, and it wasn't them and now the Canucks are plummeting with a good roster like I, I look at JT Miller and yes he's a liability in his own end but he's an amazing hockey player like he's so good you have Bo Horvat Pedersen who's just what happened a guy who just looked so good at the beginning of his career well he's still playing well but he's has been well kind of season. sheltered right in his production wise um, but yeah. Quinn, we all know about Quinn. He's a negative machine, but he could also score like it's nothing. There he's, are, he's, there, an, he's assists. It's just pure assists. Yeah, but they're, like, they're, their foundation is extremely solid. Yeah. There's just stuff around it that it, there's cracks in the foundation. That's exactly how I'll put yeah, it. Yeah, I, I like that. There's cracks in the foundation. Um, and I thought that the, the change, I think Jim Benning was a huge liability to that franchise. And I thought that once he was fired, it was going to change, but they brought in the wrong people. Yeah. They didn't, you know, like the Canadians changed culture. They didn't. They brought they in an old mentality. Exactly. Culture. And now you're looking at a team who's just in the middle of the ocean, nowhere to go. Not because they're a Canuck. I'm just saying they're in the middle of nowhere. And they're going to, and, and this, it's not really changing topics, but they're going to lose Bo Horvat. 
They're going to lose Bo Horvath. They're probably going to trade him. He has him. one year left at $5.5 million. He's tied for the... Or actually, not anymore. Jason Robertson took sole... Uh, the, the crown in terms yeah, of yeah. goals, but he's at 16 goals right now. Again, let's talk. Let's talk about a team that can use a center, right? You look at the. You look at. Uh, I was going to refer to Colorado. The, I was going to refer to Colorado, but I was also going to refer to the Flames. You know, yep. you you're in desperate need of a center. You can get assets for him, but like they're not going to lose him for nothing, right? But I, I just. But then where do you go from there? Because but, th- but that's the thing. Your players want to be competitive. Your manager wants to be competitive. You're trading away competitive players. You're not well. You're bad enough to pick high. They're twenty seventh in the league right now out of thirty two. Like they're they're significantly worse than Montreal. Like if they get Bedard, they're back in it. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. Sure, sure. I don't I don't disagree with you on that. But and he wants to be there. He keeps talking about. But them. but I have a question. If you look at the top guys on this team at this point in time, you're looking at Pedersen, Besser, Horvat, J T. Miller. Um, I'll leave it at that. You have a young couple guys in Kuzmenko, Parkolzin. You have the the supporting cast in Garland, Mikheyev. Whatever, Hoglander, Lazar. I know I'm naming basically their whole roster, yeah. but all I'm saying is that on paper, this roster is far from bad. Far from bad. Okay, defensively, they lack. Yeah. They lack heavily. But what I'm saying is that the fact that they're 27th in the league with these with these guys as their core. We talk about the Montreal Canadiens who are overperforming at 16th in the league. With a few, Look, there are players that are overperforming, but if you look at the Suzukis and Caulfields who are showing up every game, you're expecting that. Yeah. If you look at the stats, stats-wise, surface stats, so I'm talking about goals, assists, and points, these guys are performing in terms of that category where their lack is defensively and in net. And I don't understand the Demko thing. I don't understand Yeah, because I think he's an amazing goalie. Right. Just- you know, you know when like new management came into Montreal, they made a decision where it's if you're gonna do the rebuild, you're gonna do it properly. Mm-hmm. Even though they went to the Stanley Cup Finals the year before, when the Canucks went deep in that playoff run, and then obviously they did the next year, and then Jim Benning got fired, I think the year after that. I don't get how new management came into this and didn't make a clear decision because now you're stuck where you're like, we should have traded JT Miller when we could have. He obviously, you think he wants it? You think he's happy with his contract now? That he's there for another seven years? No. And I don't know why he signed it. So they should have traded him when they could have, but they didn't. So now that means you want to be competitive. But now you're at a point where you're going to treat your captain, Bull Horvat. So are you really competitive? Because now you're going to receive future assets. And now you're stuck with Miller. You're stuck with his contract. And it's just like, now you're in the middle of nowhere. If you had traded Miller, Horvat, then you rebuild around Pedersen. Sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and, And the one thing that I can almost guarantee you is that Bull Horvat is the captain of this hockey team. And I can guarantee you that he is fed up with losing much like the other people other players on this team and but i think him more specifically because he's been he's been around the the canucks his whole career right he was drafted by the canucks he's been he, you know like that that he's been part of a losing culture his whole career why would he like i don't even say doubt my mind that if he's offered a contract i don't even care if it's eight and a half million dollars or eight million dollars or nine million dollars i maybe that's maybe i'm like shooting for the stars here. I think if he's offered that money, I think that there's a part of him that's going to say, I will go play somewhere else for seven and a half million dollars, but to win in this league. 100%. He's 27 years old. He hasn't won anything, nothing. He He's consistent. He, he, he provides foundation. He provides a base to this hockey team. And all he gets in return is loss after loss after loss, like losing season after losing season. You know when people complain that Bergeron ain't like hands in Capel? Jim Benning put the Canucks in cap hell. They have $1.6 million in cap space. You know what doesn't help? First of all, that Tyler Myers contract really doesn't help. But you know what else doesn't help? Is when you sign Ilya Mikheyev to a $4.7 million contract until 2026. 
because you thought you were going to be competitive. Mark, they have Oliver Ekman Larson being paid seven point two six million until twenty twenty six, and he's Tyler Myers six million till twenty twenty four. Oh God. Oh, like, don't get me wrong. I like the core of their team, but I, you're absolutely right. Like, Jim Benning has done a horrendous job contract-wise. Horrendous. And then you bring in Patrick Alvin, and, you know, I mean, he. I don't think he's done anything wrong yet, but I don't think he realizes what kind of position his team is in. Like, like Well, and they have Rutherford up there. He's right. the president of Hockey Ops. But can we talk about the fact that Montre- the Montreal Canadiens were put under a microscope when it came down to... Which Kent direction? Hughes yeah. and and uh, are Kent Hughes and um, Gordon Jeff Gordon going to be able to turn this franchise around and make? And so far they have because they've been given that freedom. But is and Patrick, they chose a direction exactly. But what is the direction? One, what is the direction of the Vancouver Canucks? And two, is Patrick Alvin really going to be able to take these pieces that are considered to be elite pieces in the National Hockey League on this team and just like how? Wh- I don't know what. Like I what? Know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird. It's a weird. Situation and I almost feel there. bad. Like you know, like we we always look at the Montreal Canadiens situation. It's like yeah, it's great. You know, they're winning right now, but you want to be worse. And like it's a weird situation to be in. But like I, there are worse situations. <laughs> yeah, because they're just crying constantly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> consistently crying. Like these are teams that are supposed to be good and they're not. Yeah. And and to be honest with you, I'm going to call myself out. I said that the Vancouver Canucks were going to be a top three team in their respective division. Okay. And I and I and to be honest, if you look at their team on paper, it's do it was do, it was doable. Yeah, it was 100. percent It was. Now they're. Fifth to last in the league. Oh, garbage. Um, My okay. God. We'll, we'll head into the... Um, before we head into our predictions for the next game against the San Jose Sharks at the Bell Center on Tuesday night, um, just quickly, um, I think on behalf of Habs Culture, we'll, we'll give our condolences to the Toronto Maple Leafs and Boar Salmon's family. Um, I think it was super um, fitting that they, they got to um, honor him Right before his passing, I don't know if you saw that Saturday, the, a few Saturdays ago. Yeah, that was that was great. yeah, very touching. It was very very nice. Um, it's super sad, especially that he was like just there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll give our condolences to his family um, and to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Super sad that he had to, you know, ALS. It's not not a cool. It's very it's, it's super sad story. But um, so yeah, well, before we move on, we'll, we'll give our condolences to to them. Absolutely. Um, and for the Montreal Canadiens now, Tuesday night, Bell Center coming off a w- two wins, actually. They face the San Jose Sharks or the San Jose Seals, whatever you want to call them. See their jerseys? Yeah, those are... Yeah. I don't mind them. It's cool to look back. Thoughts on the Hazard vs. Retro? Oh, no, we talked about it last episode. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Anyways, but okay, Matt. let's just get into our predictions here. Um, Again, this is another game that... You know, if if it's so, you're you're playing a bottom a bottom team here. When we went through the list, this was a team that you wanted that you were expecting to be below the. I think we said below the Montreal Canadiens in terms yeah. of standings. Yeah, they always so. struggle though against the Sharks. They do. They've only won once in like, didn't they win last year in? That San was Jose? in San Jose though. Like, yeah, yeah. But like in general, I'm saying they right. struggle. But they, I think they've beaten them at the Bell Center a few times. So what's your what's your bold prediction? Let's assume Jake Allen goes in nets. Let's assume on the other yeah. side of things, James Reimer goes in nets. Okay. Um bold prediction here what do, I, what do i see happening like i think montreal wins this game you know what i'm gonna go bold here let's see it how bold is this gonna be hat trick from mike hoffman are they trading him 
30 seconds later, 30 no, minutes I, after. Well, I would pick up the phone right away. <laughs> right when those hats get thrown on the ice. So three goals they, from Mike Hoffman. Do you have a, do you have yeah. a game score prediction or you're just going to leave it at three? three goals for Mike Hoffman and see where that takes you. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Sure. I don't want to make fine. too much of a fool of myself. That's good. Especially after I said um, that the Canadians were going to get spanked by Columbus <laughs> a few weeks ago. Uh, well, they lost 6-4, but like... Yeah, I guess that was... And right. you said four points from Johnny Goudreau? How many did he get? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to call back. you out. The past is the past. <laughs> I, don't, I think I said a <laughs> shout-out from Montembeau or okay. Jake, whoever was in Nets. Close. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to go here with... I'm going to say that the Montreal Canadiens end up in overtime again. Okay. I'm going to say that they went, take this game 4-3. Nice. And I'm going to say that there's going to be a goal, the overtime winner okay. by Mike, uh, by Mike Hoffman, by uh, Sean Monaghan, overtime Monaghan. winner. Okay. And I'm going to take two assists in regulation from Monaghan. So I'm going to say a three-point night, a goal and two assists. Wow. Montreal's going to take that one in overtime. Very if, bold. If I, if I hit that, I mean, if I'm up there that, with the greats. Get a 649. Um, there you go. But anyways, on that note... Uh, we thank you so much for joining us as usual. Um, and we'll catch you guys next time. We appreciate you guys. Thank you.